This is the Chirp with Darren Millard. Why did you steal the pucks in Chicago? Well, to piss them off. The media did a story on them collecting pucks after wins, and they got this board and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, they're not getting the first puck. So I took the first puck, and I wasn't even thinking. I got in the room. I just threw it in the garbage. I have the second one. It's actually sitting right here. And, oh, by the way, it, it, seemed, to, it seemed to work. They were very upset. <laughs> and you guys came back in, in the series after. Correct. Did you miss the bars at all, though? Uh, I still miss the bars once in a while. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs>
And then you came out. I can't remember which. You must have been with St. Louis. But you walked by, and you stopped, and you you bent down, and you said to him, don't worry. We won't beat the Leafs that bad. You don't have to cry. <laughs> and he became he became a lifelong Chris Pronger fan. So I, I, I love these stories. <laughs> you got, you know, it's, uh, it's entertainment. You got to have some fun with it. Do you remember, like, was that just natural to you? Or would you sort of push yourself to go outside that, that window of an athlete? Uh, you know what? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember it. And normally, um, I wasn't that big on, not certainly not the way that guys are now with fan interaction and, and stuff like that. I'd get into it with the fans, but not that way. <laughs> 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 but uh, there may have been a few extra expletives involved in any conversation I was having with uh, fans. But um uh, certainly when you see a kid crying, you know, you, you take notice and, uh, you know, there's certain moments I think where I was a little bit more engaged. Uh, but when I was preparing for the game and, and especially if I had a, a particular matchup, uh, and I was trying to get my game face ready and I knew it was going to be a tough game and I needed to play a certain way. And, you know, you start getting into your mindset and, and getting, I guess a little bit angry, <laughs> depending upon what you're going to need to do in that game, uh, in order to you know prepare yourself mentally and and try to get your body physically ready to you know go to go to battle with uh, with somebody in the team. Well, one of the best parts about that story is that it's it's vintage pronger because you're doing something great for a kid, you're supporting him, but you're also really sticking it to the other team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of all you can do, right? Yeah, you, you know, you, I love your laugh because and and you use it as a weapon. You always have from from the press conferences with the with the media. It's 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 sort of a, a forked tongue in, in a way because it, it it offers a warning a little bit too. Like I'll, I'll laugh a little bit, but if you push me too much. I'm coming. <laughs> make, make, make sure you don't make the questions too uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> and, uh, and make sure you use your head when you're asking a question. You, and you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of loaded questions out there that don't need to be asked or can be asked in a much better way. And if you want me to put effort into answering a question, you should put some effort into the question. Were you ever told to back off the media by a coach or a manager? Uh, probably by my agent. Oh, really? Uh, well, just because it's, you know, a lot of these awards are a popularity contest and oh, he's a good guy. He's good with the media and I really like him. And I was always like, well, I'm not going to, they're not going to ask good questions. I'm not going to, you know, they got to do their job. I'm doing my job. I give them answers, but I'm not going to go out of my way to kiss somebody's ass. So they vote for me for an award. I always enjoyed our they interactions. They don't like yeah. me. They don't like me. That's uh, on them. I enjoyed our interactions because they were fun. Because you you would give me something different if if I asked a bad question, you would tell me, and then that created something different. Uh, and, yeah. and, and a, and a it sound. Makes you bite. think. Yeah, absolutely. And it put pressure. It did put pressure on me uh, to be prepared. But do you think some people did take that the wrong way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know for a fact when I was in Anaheim, I came into the room in Minnesota and I was just screwing around. You know, most of the media there knew, especially the Anaheim beat, 
knew knew me and I came in and chirped one of our media guys, just having fun with them. And the Minnesota, not Russo, but one of the local Minnesota guy goes, oh, my God, you got to deal with that guy every day? And then Tamu comes in, and, you know, Tamu is yeah. Mr. Positive, Mr. Personality, happy-go-lucky, smiling and laughing and, you know, going on for an hour and a half about I don't know what. And cars. And this guy goes, oh, my God, you guys must love dealing with this guy. And, and you know, like just the perception for those that only get a snippet or only maybe only see a me chirping a media guy in Philadelphia over a question, and that's all they see of me, you know, when I only go into the building once a year, and may or they may or may not even get to talk to me, um, you know, so people can get perceptions of you, and, and also a perception of you on the ice. Oh, you play a certain way, you must be like that off the ice. Do you think you would have won more Norris trophies if you were nicer to the media? I do. Uh, there's well, you know what? There was a couple years where I was like fourth in voting. Uh, maybe I, I don't know if I would have won, but there's a, there's at least two years where I know for a fact that I was not. I was fourth in voting, but I was voted to the second All Star team. How does that happen? And the guy that was third wasn't even on the second All Star team. How does that work? Well, mathematically, like, it doesn't. Still, yeah. That exactly. Because no, but because you vote for you, you vote for those separate. I don't want to turn this into so an how entire. That, so if you're filling out your ballot and you put X player third in voting and me fourth, yet you leave that guy off your second team All Star ballot and put me and somebody else in there, how does that work? You're you're in the Hall of Fame, so you you've got the accolades but but no 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 i mean i mean you ask the question no no i that's where i want to go with it years where i think i should at least been up up for the norris and then you know but whatever but you got you got your due as a career but does does the the norris thing does that piss you off no because then i got a heart trophy and nobody else does right like there's history there right bobby Orr? yeah so you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously most, well, all of my career, Nick Lidstrom, what did he win? Seven or eight or whatever. And early in my career, Ray Bork was on his run. Uh, you know, so when you look at my time in the NHL, there's two players that probably won 12 or 13 of them. So there's only so many left <laughs> to get in my career. If you had to choose... my era. My if, kind of plan. If you had to choose between being called mean or dirty, what would you choose? Uh, well, me, because I think I was mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what a lot of people forget is that I also had an X on my back, and there were a lot of people trying to take liberties with me. So therefore, uh, do unto others as they do unto you. And yes, uh, you know, I I would line guys up just as much as guys would be willing to line me up. So it was give and take, you know, I took my fair share of hits and I took my fair share of, uh, slashes and cross checks and all the rest of the stuff, uh, just as much as I gave out. So, uh, it is what it is. Who bothered you the most? Who did anybody ever get under your skin? Um, 
nobody really got under my skin. Once once I got into the league, you know, three or four, you know, three or four years and got comfortable, I, nothing really bothered me. Because you were a target, um, right? I was a target, you know, you know, like the the booing in every rank. I mean, I didn't, that didn't bother me. Not you know, not, not a little bit. Like I know I know you like playing the 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 guy that. Uh, no, because you use that when you're on. You know, what bothered what bothered me actually. The one thing that did bother me when I got booed in St. Louis when I was on St. Louis. <laughs> you know, when you're getting booed by your own fans, <laughs> you know, and you're it's not my fault. I got traded for Brandon Shanahan, and and you know all the rest of the stuff that went on, and you know, like it was that was probably the toughest year because of you know the the media scrutiny and, you know, he's a fan favorite here and, you know, just entering his prime and, you know, all the rest of the stuff that went, went with it. And, and uh, Mike Keenan makes a trade and everybody here hated Mike Keenan or most people at, the, at that time had, he had kind of reached that point here um, where a lot of the fans and media and, you know, people in the community uh, that, you know, may or may not have really followed the team were a little hesitant and, and irked by some of the moves that he was making. Um, so I was public enemy number one in St. Louis for half a year and, you know, struggled to find my game and getting booed every night. And Mike was all over me and I was the whipping boy and I was in his office every day and I was in his office after every period looking at video being critiqued and asking me what I was doing. And like, for instance, my partner makes a dumb pinch. I get a three-on-one coming down my way. I slide. They tic-tac-toe it and tap it in. And he asks me, what what, what can I do better? And blame, blames me for it. And I'm like, um, yeah, whatever. So, Chris, why, why did you leave your feet, right? What? Why did you leave your why feet? Why didn't you slide here? Yeah. Why didn't you poke check here? Why, you know, second-guessing. I'm like, it's read and react and... You know, you you do what you can to try to stop it, but it's a three-on-one. And, you know, things like that. So, you know, I almost got in a fight in a parking lot with a fan. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that a buddy of mine came down from my hometown and drive. He got into a fight at a game because the guy was beaking me in the parking lot. Like, all kinds of stuff was going on. And, you know, you get beaten down and, you know, you're getting, you know, oh, my God, it was a brutal trade. And, you know, all these things are going on and I'm trying to find myself. I just turned 21. I'm, you know, consoling myself every night at the bar, trying to figure out, is, is this the NHL? Is it, how am I going to get through this? And, and ultimately you, you find your game, you continue to work hard and practice. And, and, you know, we obviously had a lot of veteran guys and veteran leadership. We make the trade for Wayne Gretzky uh, we bring in, you know, some of the other ex-old Oilers and some of the guys from Chicago when Mike was there. And, um, you know, I had a good playoff against Toronto, a good playoff against Detroit, and that kind of, you know, got in better shape. I, I spent the summer training and came back to camp in much better shape, uh, much uh, much more prepared for what was expected and, and the way I needed to play. Uh, I don't think talent was ever the issue. It was, you know, a lot of it was maybe pressure and mindset and, and expectations. Uh, you know, I'm a defenseman. He's a, a scoring winger. Um, you know, I'm not, that's not flashy. Playing defense is not flashy. Scoring goals is flashy. It, it translates on the score sheet. 
But playing defense, if you're not getting 100 points, uh, it's hard to quantify to the average Joe that's just walking down the street reading the paper and maybe working half the game. So, you know, it just, and then, you know, things turned. Once I had a good playoff, that kind of, the light bulb went off in my head. Now I needed to play every night. You know, that age-old thing that young players have to go through. they got to find consistency. Every night, you have to bring everything you got. And uh, once I did that, then everything kind of fell into place. So it wasn't necessarily the the heart-to-heart that somebody sat you down with and said, you got to learn how to be a pro. It was just experience and going through tough times, and you you were self-taught. Well, to a certain extent, and, and uh, a lot of, you know, from Mike talking to me, you know, when I'm in his office, you know. What was that like? Uh, well, I mean, I was traded 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you to Ottawa. I'm going to send you to, I'm like, well, finally. And, and ultimately, I went and saw a sports psychologist. You did? And ultimately, I, I came back at him, you know, and I was like, you know, went through some strategies and whatever. And finally, I just came back to Mike. I'm like, I don't care. Go ahead and trade me. I don't care anymore. You know, and I think once I stopped caring, I just played the game and, and, and played to my abilities and just, you know, I was tentative, I guess, at times because I lacked confidence and I was always in no man's land in between making my decision. Should I go, you know, thinking, okay, am I going to get yelled at? Am I going to get booed? Am I going to, you know, all that stuff. I think ultimately once I let all that go and just played the game, then everything just kind of slowed down and everything came a little bit easier. So did Mike, was, was he a bully? And he'll, he'll be pissed off that I phrased it that way, but I don't uh, mean, well, or was he just an old bullying. school coach? No, I think, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's an old school coach in the sense that he's a motivator. He's not big on X's and O's. He's big on compete, um, trying to, you know, physical fitness and, and things of that nature that can that can be a separator from talent, you know. So after that year, I kind of started training a lot better. The following year, I I got a new trainer and really started to to train my body to be a pro and and get stronger and and start eating better and and all the rest of that stuff. And that's that's the first year I was up for the North. Did you miss the bars at all, though? Uh, I still went to the bar once in a while. But. <laughs> hey, are you on? Are you on Twitter? Once in a while. Are you on Twitter? No, no, I don't. Uh, I don't feel like getting beaked every day. Yeah, it's it's a terrible place. It's good. I mean, somebody like my job, I have to be, but it's a terrible place. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a tough goal. We we play this game on the chirp. Uh, first goal, last goal. Who'd you score it on? Yeah. Do you remember? Uh let's see here. I scored. How about how's this for you? I scored in Winnipeg, my last game ever. I had a goal, and I think I can pull it up. I think it was a goal and assist, or a goal and two assists, and I was atrocious. See, that was my last game. I was dizzy. I was all you know. I just and I played brutal. But it's games like that. Like I can tell you, there are games I played where I was unreal in my mind, just remembering games going. Man, I did nothing wrong today. I just, it was, but I got no points. You know, I just did everything right. I was the third assist. I was, uh, you know, defended perfectly. I just, it was a great game. And there's games where you do that and you're not on the board. And then there's some brutal games I played where I had three, three or four points. 
And, you know, that's why some of the stuff, when you're looking at points and looking at some of that stuff, it's hard to quantify how good you played. You know, like if you're a media guy upstairs and you look at the stat sheet, you're like, oh, you had a good game. You had three or four points. Well, maybe, <laughs> or maybe you didn't. It depends on what you're looking at. See, I had your last goal in Vancouver against Roberto Luongo, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, you should be wrong because I scored against, I'm going to pull it up here right now. Uh, do you remember your first goal? Yeah, it was against Ron Hextall. You're right. I don't know what he in was doing. In the island, in the island. And, and when a guy that keeps popping up on the chirp is, is Brad McCrimmon and you go to the bench and you're sitting beside beast. Yes. Yes. He was my partner for two years. Yeah. I scored one goal my last year in Philly. 13, how was this? 13 games, 12 points, one goal, and 11 assists. Hmm. I, I had it against um, Roberto so I scored a goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it was in Philly. Might have been. I'd have to, I'd have to pull that up. Uh, I, can't, I don't think I can pull Here, up Here's here, the thing, though. Nobody remembers their last goal. Not Scotty Hartnell, uh, not Rick Tockett. No, nobody remembers their last goal. It's well, really Why strange. should you? Well, I, I don't know. Everybody makes such a big you never, deal. By the way, you never think it's going to be your last goal. So you're like, eh, whatever. You know, that's what Hartnell said, too. He said you spent a lot of time in front of the mirror before warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> he was working his hair very hard. No, he said and you he did. Right. You did. Oh, whatever. He was. Oh, yeah, I'm just telling you what, what he passed along. Yeah. No, uh, he had much more hair than I had. So mine was pretty easy. Go in there, wet it down, and let it go. He was in there quaffing it and making sure the curls were just so right. He also passed along a story about how you refused to apologize for the cross-checks and the hacks when you guys became teammates from your battles in St. Yeah. Louis and Nashville. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, and he, should have, uh, he shouldn't have went there. Exactly. He shouldn't have been in front of the net. Hall of Fame plaque, Stanley Cup. Olympic gold, world championship gold. What do you display if you uh, have to put something out? Um, let's see here. I guess the thing that is easier to display. Well, I have my trophies in like a little trophy area. Uh, my Hall of Fame plaque is just sitting down in the basement on a table. You make it sound uh, like it's easy. over in the corner, like just <laughs> gathering dust. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say, I would say the easiest one to display is is the Hall of Fame plaque because it's sitting out. Yeah. Is the Stanley Cup the but, conversation uh, but starter? But also the Stanley Cup Stanley Cup ring is the easiest, but it kind of just sits in uh, the safe. It doesn't really. I don't really wear it that often. Maybe once a year. A uh, couple of things. Why do you steal the pucks in Chicago? Because that, honestly, of all the accomplishments in your career, that is my favorite because that is the one thing that I would have done myself. Well, to piss them off. Exactly. You know, because... The, but because where did that media, come from? The media, the media did a story on them collecting pucks after wins and they got this board and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, they're not getting the first puck. I know that much. So I took, and I actually, so I took the first puck and the guy tried to get it. I go, I don't see your name on it. Nobody said you get the puck, beat it. So I took the first puck and I wasn't even thinking. I got in the room, I just threw it in the garbage. Oh, you didn't even keep it? No, I didn't keep the first one. 
I have the second one. It's actually sitting right here. No, it's not. Desk. Really? Yes, it is. Yeah. No, so, did, did you go to the referee uh, and I, take that? I, I saw you have a conversation no, with oh, okay. I, The puck was just, I skated like a little ways to grab it. And oh, by the way, it, it, seemed, to, it seemed to work. They were very upset. <laughs> and you guys came back in, in the series after. Correct. Correct. So that was planned going out into that first game that you, if well, you. Well, planned, planned in the sense, I mean, I mean, you know, I was a seven, six or whatever, the six, five, it was whatever a crazy first was. game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't planned in the sense that I just happened. I just happened to be out there and I happened to have the puck. So I'm I just looked up, you know, normally guys just shoot it down the ice. Like, all right, let's get off the ice. I looked up and I'm like, well, the game's over. I might as well grab it. You know, if I didn't have the puck, I wouldn't have gone out of my way to go get it. But I had it on my stick, and I was just kind of was standing there. They stopped coming, so I was like, "All right, grabbed it, picked it up. See you later." And then game two, you did go get it. And then game two, I think I had to skate, you know, five or ten feet. <laughs> it's beautiful. Hey, uh, coach, manager, or commissioner, what would you like? Ooh. You don't need a Probably, job. I, I don't need to be a coach. I know that much. Um, Would you be a good coach, that's though? A lot of, um, it's a lot of day-to-day minutiae. Um, you know, from the they, – man, they work hard. They're they in there. they got long hours. Um, you know, on the day-to-day stuff, I, I don't really enjoy as much as the big picture um, – I like the big picture stuff myself, personally. So manager, you know, the, what about commissioner? Yeah. Uh, I would think that would be a very difficult job. Yeah. And I don't know. What rule would... ever going to happen anyways. Is there a rule that you would like to bring back, change, alter, put in place, get yeah, rid I of? Yeah, I think if we put the... I think if you put the red line back, you know, I think we look at sometimes the way the game is played. If you put the red line back in... It's it's gonna. I think it's gonna open things up, which which sounds a little crazy. That's why we took it out. Yeah, but now people just stand there and tip it in. Yeah, that you chip and then they go down, they get it, and they tip it in. I think it would allow for more play, if you will, more hockey play, where you're making a five or ten foot pass, or you're, you know, you you sneak that guy, you you make that play where you hit the guy up the middle, he touches it, and you get a guy cutting through on a breakaway where there's some thinking to it and, and timing to it. Um, that would be one. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple other ones where. Do you like the flip play? Uh, <laughs> no. I well, and what happened? And now not only is it a flip play, but now it's just an area. You know, yeah. if you're not flipping it, you're just kind of saucing the puck into an area to create a foot race. You know, there's no real, you don't need any real skill other than skating to do that. I picture you with a flip play where, where the uh, offensive player is waiting for the puck to come down and it's like a fair catch in football and you're just waiting to <laughs> just clobber on. Yeah, well, not in today's game. No. Do you, do you, are you okay with today's game? Do you, are you frustrated with today's game? I, I like it, but I wasn't your type I, of player. I like the, listen, the, the players are... Uh, top to bottom, more skilled, 
you know, I was reading something about, oh, prior to this year and, and I and maybe last year, why is goal scoring down? Why is it going down? I'm like, because actually when, when the third and fourth line players are out there, a lot of times, with the exception of McDavid and McKinnon and a couple of these guys, the third and fourth line guys are faster than the first and second line guys. You know, there's not, a, there's not as big a drop-off from your top line guy to your fourth line player. There might be in hockey sense and skill, but there certainly isn't usually with skating. And what, what do you need to be able to do to defend? Skate. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why it, was, it became a little bit harder to score uh, because teams weren't as if, – if that fourth line got caught out there, you know, in a matchup game, it's not that big a deal. You want to have your matchups, but sometimes you don't get them, and you got to play the game. Did you just call fourth liners in your era slugs? Uh, no, they were just different. <laughs> they were, you know, where, where you look at, you know, in my area, you had your two scoring lines, your yeah. checking line, and your energy line. Now there's three scoring lines and a checking line. And sometimes that checking line can be an energy line, well, however you want to describe them. But most most teams try to get three lines that can score. And and even now, you know, I'll call them a checking line, but most fourth lines can, can provide offense and, and chip in offensively. They're not strictly checking lines, but in the hierarchy of trying to designate lines, that's where they would fall. If you and Sean, Brother Sean, square off, who who's the... Who has the quicker wit? <laughs> it's close. It's close. Yeah. I think it all depends on how ruthless you want to be. Are you guys ruthless with each other? Uh, I, I might be the more ruthless when it comes to comes to that side of it, but he might be a little quicker on, on certain things. Uh, one last thing. 2006, first player to ever score a penalty shot goal in a Stanley Cup final. And I couldn't believe how fast your arms got up in the celebration. Like, your hands were up before that puck hit the back of the net behind Cam Ward. Yeah, I had, uh, I had, uh, that was my move. And we used to always do uh, shootouts in, uh, at the end of practice. And uh, I had a couple moves coming off that angle. And if the goalie was in a certain spot, you know, shoot blocker. If he wasn't there, fake blocker, pull and go, go five hole. So I was, that's kind of, you know, you, when you come from different sides of the ice, you got usually two moves based on one move on the left and two moves based on one move on the right. So, um, you know, the funny thing about that is I was on muscle relaxers because I hurt my back training like four days before that game. So I go, I, if you notice, I went pretty far back <laughs> Yeah. before I started, before, because I would just kind of zoned out, kind of doing my little, all of a sudden the guy blew the whistle. I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Probably a good thing I was on that. Oh my God. It was if there, very relaxing. If there wasn't the end board, you would have kept on skating. Yeah, exactly. You know what's, exactly. what else is funny about that is I've never, it's a weird celebration. I don't know why this jumped in, but you're a left-handed shot, and most times you'd you'd hold your stick in your right hand when you celebrate, but you you held yeah. your stick in in the left hand. If again, it, just a weird thing that that I caught. Maybe it was the muscle relaxants. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I just forgot how to really celebrate, and I just went after it. Well, you you, you figured it out right after that. You you might be the last of your generation, like a like a solid pure defender 
with with offensive skills that get, gets into the Hall of Fame. You 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 might be that guy. So uh, I want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My and uh, people could, uh, the players in today's game could learn a thing or two about uh, about engaging with the media and having some fun with it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> they want to win more trophies. I don't know. You well, don't you don't care, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say to a certain extent, yeah. I think I think most guys do a good job. I think it depends on the market yeah. and depends on you know. By the time I I think when you're young and you're in a big market like Toronto and Philly and New York, it. You're, uh, you become very leery early. You know, I played in Hartford and St. Louis, and by the time I got to Edmonton, I was 30 and established, and I already won the heart and the Norris and, and was established in my career. And so I think I already had a base. You know, like I can tell you, like early on in, in St. Louis, I took things personally. You know, I would read the paper. I would, you know, watch clips and all that stuff and what people were saying. And towards the latter part of my time in St. Louis, I stopped. And then when I got to Edmonton, I'd never watched uh, Us. TV or read the paper or anything because I didn't want to. I wanted to just come in and talk to you. I don't care. If, one thing I would say, though, is when I got to Philly, by the time it all was all said and done, I got to Philly and you hear all those stories about Philly and not only in the media, blah, blah, blah. I just met with them and I said, listen, I will talk to you every single day. I will give you quote after quote. Just don't misquote me. Just don't lie. If you don't lie, I'll talk to you every day. If you want to rip me, go ahead. I'll talk to you the next day. I don't care. Go ahead and rip me. Who would Just tell you? If, who would tell you if you were misquoted? If you didn't read and, and keep up? Our, our PR guy. Okay, Zach. I would just say because he's standing there. I just say make sure you check them all. And you know I'll do. You know, and if you want to ask me an off the record question, it better be off the record. You know, if you want to ask me something that, well, I don't know, who knows what, uh, if you're asking me off the record and it all of a sudden winds up in a paper, then guess what? I'm not talking to you no more. You're done. Would you make somebody leave the scrum? Well, I just, I would just stand there and just wait. <laughs> I'd say, I'm not answering the question. That's beautiful. And then, you know, and I'd be staring at the guy the whole time because I'd want to see if he was talking to somebody else to get him to ask the question. So then I'd be like, all right, fine. And, and nobody ever did it because there was no reason to. When and, you... and I, I said to, uh, Tim, you know, I, every once in a while, like, let's say six weeks have gone by and I talk every single day. I would just say, all right, if it wasn't, it, it would not, I would always talk after game, Yeah. but I'd be like, all right, it's a practice day. I'm like, I'm Zach, I'm taking a day off. Like enough. Let Briz talk. There's today. nothing going on. Yeah. Let somebody else talk. Cause. Just give me a break. When you watch games, what's the one thing that the that the hockey broadcasters we uh, can do better? That what makes you go crazy when you watch games and listen to games? Um, anything? Uh, well, are you talking like in between periods or in, in between periods or in games? Anything? Like, do you think do you think we're lazy and uh, incompetent, or are we are we? No, comp- I, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I think, I think it's just. Oh, and I wasn't saying you were. I'm just, I'm just I wondering. Think you have to play to, you know, there's, there's the average fan. Yeah. There's the diehard fan. And then there's the casual fan that's kind of in and out and not overly engaged. And then there's the once or twice a year fan. And you have to figure out if, if you're watching TV every single day, you can't keep talking about the same thing. No. 
it can't be about the Maple Leafs and where we're going to plan the parade route. And it can't see that was a shot right there. That was a shot. That that. Well, I mean, they get on a roll and uh, the parade route's set, and then they get on a losing streak, (laughs) and oh my God, this seems terrible. And then they get on a run again. I mean, it's just that's the way pro sports is. It's cyclical, and they're it's streaky and all the rest of that stuff. So it's a matter of playing to let's let's call it uh, the casual fan, but a little bit more. You know, if, if, if somebody is in and out once or twice a year or a casual fan is once a month, do you really, why are you playing to that person? We dumb it Play down to the too people much. Yeah. That are there. Yeah. yeah. Like get more in depth, get hardcore stuff. Like players will, if you, if they're phrased properly and they're good questions, players will answer them or they should answer them. Yeah. You're right. You know, like it's, you know, they got to be good questions, and then they will answer. If they're loaded questions, no, no player is ever going to answer a loaded question. It's got to be phrased just so right that it sounds proper, or it's not. It's, he's not going to a either a he's not going to be embarrassed to answer it, or b he's not ripping somebody in the context of the question, so that he doesn't have to say the question like it's his answer, and therefore now you've made him say that, and that's the clip that gets cut and he's now said it you could put on a seminar for for players which which, as we all know and i I used to tell guys too i go why did you just answer that tell what is our message here what are we trying to say just if if somebody asks you a question and here's what we're saying just just say the same thing over and over and and guys would ask the question differently but it's the same question and i'd give them the same answer They'd ask it again differently. I'd say the same answer. And finally, by the fourth or fifth time somebody asked, I said, um, I've already been asked and answered that three or four times. Next question. Can we change it up? And if they won't, then I'd say, okay, well, we're done. See, I'm serious. People could, you could do some kind of presentation, some seminar about that. Um, to to bring more and and the guys do it, but they, they just have to be so careful about uh, about answering because well, they're exposed so much. And well, but in the social media, era, yeah. it just everything goes viral so fast, and 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 you get asked these questions, and sometimes you're tired after practice or after a game, and you're not even really thinking sometimes, and and you you might say something off the cuff or something, you know, and all of a sudden it blows up and it's viral and you're like, I didn't mean that. That's not where I was going. You know, it's just, it's, you have to be very careful sometimes. And I think that what happens is, especially after an emotional game, your emotions are high. I think most players have been told and taught to be tight lipped because you never know what's going to come out when you're that mad or that emotional or that tired. And, you know, you get the cliches, and then you're done. If you want to send me a picture of that puck uh, from Chicago, you can. I'm going to do that. Hold on. I'm just going to grab it right now, and I'm going to text it to you. Can I post I got it? it oh, but however, I do have it in a little baggie. <laughs> <laughs> can I post it? And it even says, official game puck. I think they had them labeled. Game. They did. Yeah, game two. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hold you- on. I'm going to leave it in the baggie. Hold on, I'm gonna text it to you right now. Can I post it? Uh, um, or should oh, yeah, I? People are gonna know okay. about it now. Yeah, yeah, they do. Hold on, hold on here. Game two. <laughs> All right, I'll send it to you. It's in my little baggie. 
You're a beauty. To preserve it. To, pre- to preserve it, of course. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Thanks, there buddy. There you go. Thanks, Prongs. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> All right. Be Take well. Care. See you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ladies and gentlemen, the self-proclaimed best guest in the Chirp podcast history. What you heard at the end there, it, it's just vintage pronger. That comes up a lot, vintage pronger. Because the way we ended that interview is unique for this format. Chris and I actually said our goodbyes and we hung up when the discussion was over. Instead of the usual process where I would conclude the conversation, stop recording, and then go back and thank the guests and have the formal goodbye. I didn't plan on it happening like that with Pronger. It just naturally took that path, which is, you know, funny enough how things usually happen with Chris. He just creates his own route. I feel like I should clarify what I mean about players in the game learning and copying Pronger's style of interviews. He is honest, fair, entertaining, blunt, and most of all, when he pops up on your screen, he makes you want to listen, pay attention, Intermission interview, pregame warm-up, or like this format, Chris has always been sought after because he isn't the norm. Now, he's not for everyone, and this format, that style of being yourself and out there, certainly can't be carried by everyone. You have to be confident. You have to be extremely quick-witted. And yes, there's a fine line between being called honest, like I do with Pronger, or labeled a cocky jerk. He is not a cocky jerk, but yeah, he is very confident. In my dealings, and I've had a few back and forth with Chris Pronger while he was at the podium, he was always fair, but he didn't shy away from giving me a jab if he felt like I wasn't asking a question or I was going back to a place that he'd already answered. I just don't think current players take advantage of that state that they're offered in these scrums and these podiums. You don't have to be a clown and start putting on an act when the microphones show up. I've seen that a few times from guys who try to be someone else. But I do feel that there's an opportunity there, like automobile racing, NASCAR, where you're always selling yourself and your brand. I think players could do that just a little bit more. Chris is working for the Florida Panthers. He's done everything from going on the ice with prospects and the present-day roster players to scouting and advising the big boss, Dale Talon. Now a confession. I promised a podcast recap every fifth episode. It's not going to happen. The content is ready. I have some great notes about some of our guests who have been on in the first four episodes and also who you have told me you'd like to hear interviewed in future episodes. But when I went through the interview with Chris, I just decided it didn't fit in with 40 minutes of pronger. So next week, I promise... And I will make sure that those responsible for anybody's disappointment are punished. Oh, and one more note about that puck from 2010 that we referenced in the Stanley Cup final. Any Chicago Blackhawk fans interested should know that there's there's always room to negotiate. Just let me know. I know of a guy with access to the game puck from game two of that Stanley Cup final. Chris, thank you for your time. I took up more than I said I would. Chris Rook... Remember the start of the interview? The crying little kid that Pronger consoled? Well, Chris Rook was that kid. He produced The Chirp, Episode 5. And thanks to George and his team at Envision 
and DeanBlendell.com. I'm the executive producer. You've been listening to The Chirp with Darren Millard. Tell your friends it's free and it makes everyone 5% smarter. That is true because you learned something today. Chirp you next week. Until then, check out our previous episodes. And when you're out and about, please go out of your way to thank someone for a simple act. It's easy. It'll make you feel good. Peace out, guys.